When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Starfleet Leadership Academy. Leadership development told through the lens of Star Trek. Your host, Jeff Aiken, is a 20-year veteran of the public and private sectors in management and leadership. He specializes in helping people unlock their true potential and is a huge Star Trek fan. And now, here's your host, Jeff Aiken. Welcome. Thanks for joining me today. The first duty of every Starfleet officer is to the truth. Whether it's scientific truth or historical truth or personal truth, it is the guiding principle on which Starfleet is based. And so is this episode. We're going to talk about how the truth can set you free by helping you grow and develop. We're also going to look at the importance of experience as a leader as we watch an absolutely epic episode. It's the 19th episode of the fifth season of The Next Generation, The First Duty. The Enterprise is on its way to Earth in Starfleet Academy. Captain Picard is giving the commencement address. They're also eager to visit Wesley Crusher, who's in his second year there. En route, the superintendent, Admiral Brand, calls Picard privately to share some difficult news. There's been an accident. Now, the show sets this up to make us think something happened to Wesley, dropping right into the credits from this message. But right afterwards, we find out that he's okay. See, he's part of an elite flight group, Nova Squadron. They suffered a terrible collision during practice. All five ships were destroyed, and one of their classmates, and a friend of Wesley's, Joshua Albert, has died. The superintendent says a flight recorder was recovered, and they'll be initiating a full investigation. Picard and Dr. Crusher, Wesley's mom, come and visit him. We meet the squadron leader, Nick Lacarno. He's also checking in on Wesley. Wes asks Picard and Dr. Crusher to excuse them so he can talk with Lacarno privately. We get our first glimpse at Nick's leadership style. Don't worry about it, Wes. Everything's going to be all right. As long as we stick together. He's united Nova Squad as a very, very tight-knit team. As Picard is strolling around the academy, he runs into the groundskeeper, Boothby. Boothby is somebody that we're going to talk about quite a few times here on the Starfleet Leadership Academy. He's kind of a mentor to a lot of people that have moved through the academy. He was around when Picard was a cadet, and they had quite a connection. And he continues to share his wisdom, but this time on the incident. Nick is what makes that team special. He's their coach, surrogate father, and best friend all in one. A natural leader. The investigation begins. Locarno leads the testimony and says they were practicing for a maneuver called a Jaeger loop. The rest of the squad supports him and his testimony, but the Admiral is not quite buying it. That was not my question, Cadet. It's honestly kind of ridiculous, you know. It's like they think that these wildly experienced officers have never flown maneuvers before. Honestly, my opinion, they, they come across pretty incompetent here. But then, from here... It goes south. Locarno 
decides to take a different approach. Josh was a good pilot, but lately he'd been having difficulties. With Josh's dad in the gallery, he straight up throws him under the bus. <sighs> Ouch. At that, the Admiral calls for a recess until the next day when they should have the data from the restored flight recorder. The cadets meet afterwards, which is honestly, like, honestly, that not that kind of weird? Don't you think they'd separate them or have them under some kind of surveillance or something? Well, they don't, so regardless, the cracks in the team are starting to show. You said that we weren't going to have to lie to them. They are not okay with blaming this on Josh. Nick gaslights the team into backing him up. None of us has wanted to say it out loud, but we've all had the same thought, haven't we? And he starts telling them how to respond to the flight recorder questions. The investigation picks back up, and Wesley's talking them through the flight recorder data. He sticks to the talking points that Locarno laid out, and then the bottom drops out. Mr. Crusher, are these ships in a diamond slot formation? No, sir. Yeah, sensors picked up footage that directly refutes his testimony. So Picard heads back up to the ship. He asks Jordy, the engineer and Data, to review all the evidence in the testimony. He's looking for anything that could possibly help Wesley out. But what they find? Yeah, not helpful at all. All. The engine would probably ignite the plasma. Ignite the plasma. That's exactly what they were trying to do. Picard figures it out. They were trying to perform a culvered starburst, a wildly dangerous maneuver that looks amazing, but has been banned because the last time it was done, all five pilots died. He confronts Wesley. This is an iconic Picard speech that I'll talk about in the command codes, but he's figured out this was Locarno's way of trying to become a legend. West doesn't agree with it, but he doesn't deny it either. He tries to stick to what he said in his testimony, but Picard knows what's up. But a lie of a mission is still a lie. He tells the story of when they met back in Encounter at Farpoint. He tells him how brilliant he is and how much potential he has. And then he outright tells him to come clean, or he will tell the Admiral what happened himself. Wesley checks in with Locarno, and he tells him to lie. He says if they stick to their story, they don't say anything more, they're going to get through it okay. But Wesley's integrity is starting to shine through. I'm going to tell them what happened. And Locarno's desperation does as well. Makes it Wesley's problem and tells him that he's betraying the team. Well, it must have been a pretty good speech to make you turn your back on your friends. Locarno storms out and Wesley is left to consider where his duty lies. We get to the conclusion of the investigation. Looks like Nova Squad is going to keep their mouths shut. And for that, they'll get formal reprimands in their permanent records. Whatever this is, it's going on your permanent record. But that's it. And then, at the very last minute, Wesley speaks up. Yesterday, I testified that the crash occurred following a Jaeger loop. That is not entirely true. The consequences dished out are severe. Locarno gets expelled, and Wesley loses all of his credit hours. He's going to have to repeat his second year. He takes it well, well, I mean, professionally, at least, and he feels very, very guilty. They should have expelled all of us. Locarno, though, stood up for the team. He asked to take full responsibility. He did what a leader should do in this situation, and Wesley does as well. He accepts his punishment. You have difficult times ahead. And is thankful for the opportunity to continue his studies. Picard wishes him well and returns to the Enterprise. 
What a great episode. Will Wheaton is in top form, and in a weird way, this is really a redemption story for Wesley Crusher. This is what Star Trek is all about. Duty, integrity, truth, justice, and the Federation way. TNG did courtroom stories pretty well, and this one ranks up there with classics like The Measure of a Man and The Drumhead, for sure. Cut the quartz, quartz is fun. Come right now, don't walk, run! When I started the Starfleet Leadership Academy just over two years ago, it was kind of daunting, all of the things you have to know to get started. Hey, do you currently run a podcast for your business or company, or are you thinking of starting one? Are you overwhelmed a little bit, even just a little bit, kind of like I was? Well, if so, then the Podcast for Business Conference is going to provide all the insights, the information, and connection opportunities you need to take your show to the next level. Or, if you haven't started yet, launch it with a bang. I sure wish something like this was around when I started. It takes place November 16th and 18th, and it's all online. Enjoy 12 live presentations with Q&A from industry experts, including my good friend Alex Sanfilippo from Podcasting Made Simple, a robust library of exclusive on-demand content, deep dive workshops based on the latest available data, and daily networking events. It's all virtual, it's online, and it's all recorded, so you won't miss anything, no matter how full your plate is. Learn more and register at pfbcon.com. That's pfbcon.com. And hey, just for you, just for listeners of the Starfleet Leadership Academy, we've got a special deal. Use discount code STARFLEET to save $25 on any ticket. That's pfbcon.com and use the code STARFLEET. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. Best-selling leadership author John S. Rennie knows this. That's why he's written a new book called You Have the Watch. It's a guided journal for leaders designed to take you through an entire year of leadership training. By the end of the year, you will master 50 of the most important leadership skills. If you want to have a greater impact on the results and people in your organization, go to youhavethewatch.com and pick up your copy today. In the 30th episode of the Starfleet Leadership Academy, Discovery, Choose Your Pain, I talked about the incredible performance review that Saru set up for himself. Now, there's a tool that enables you to do the same thing for yourself and your teams. For your free copy of this tool, visit starfleetleadership.academy and join the mailing list. You'll not only get a free copy of this incredible tool, but you'll also hear about other cool things going on with the Starfleet Leadership Academy. Visit starfleetleadership.academy today and get your free copy. I do carry a select line of unique artifacts and gemstones indigenous to this region. Sometimes Star Trek tries to be something it's not, and this episode had, well, at least a moment of that. When Picard and Boothby are catching up, they're talking about some epic wrestling match Picard was in. Boothby says, Except that time you caught that Ligonian, 
with a reverse body lift. <laughs> this is what happens when a group of sci-fi writers try to do sports, right? Do you know what a reverse body lift is? Yeah, it's a body drop. Like, Picard literally dropped a dude. You know, the thing that you do all the time in wrestling? Yeah, so Picard did that, and apparently it was epic, I guess. Will Wheaton is honestly next-level good in this episode. He literally sounds like he's throwing up in his mouth when he responds to the Admiral. I'm fine. I just uh, threw up in my mouth a little bit. So good. He and the character of Wesley Crusher were pretty universally hated ever since Encounter at Farpoint. He was just too perfect, right? He was a kid and understood the physics and warp dynamics in a way that the professionals on the flagship of the Federation, they had trouble with. And he, he kind of had this know-it-all attitude to go with it. He just wasn't an easy character to like. Shut up, Wesley. But in this episode, not only do we see that he has real flaws, but he has some actual emotional depth. Will Wheaton has always been a skilled actor. I mean, just watch Stand By Me if you don't believe me. Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. But he was pretty hampered in Star Trek. Until now. He brought so much of the tension to life in this one. It's just, he did a really, really great job. And then there's Nick Locarno, played by Robert Duncan McNeil. If you've been following along the last few years, you know McNeil as Tom Paris on Voyager. I'm already doing a job for the Federation. Now, one rumor is that the original idea was for Paris to be Locarno, like reprise the character, but Jerry Taylor and the rest of the Voyager producers felt that, felt that he wasn't redeemable enough for what they had in mind. But they loved McNeil, and understandably too. He's great as Tom Paris, and he was great in this one too. The other rumor is that they didn't want to pay the writer that created the character any kind of royalties or any sort of fees to use him in Voyager. But either way, we still got McNeil in an awesome role on an excellent show for seven seasons and right here in The Next Generation. All good. You know how a lot of times the guest stars are just that? right? Guests on a show like they do well enough, but you can tell they've, you know, they, they, they've been there for a day. That was not Robert Duncan McNeil. He felt like a regular on the series, like he belonged there. Now that could also be recency bias, right? Cause I've seen him on Voyager, but either way he was great in this role. Now I'm not the only one that thinks that this episode is great. Shortly after it aired, it actually became required viewing for cadets at the U.S. Air Force Academy. Aim high, Air Force. They've said that it demonstrates the honor code perfectly and is a launch pad. See what I did there for in-depth discussions on it. It's super cool. I was pretty disappointed, if you remember, in the Voyager episode, Good Shepherd. Because, like, the time that Janeway spent with the underperformers never led to anything. Like, it all just happened, and then life moved on. But that's not the case with this episode. No, this is a pivotal moment in the development of Wesley Crusher. And we get to see one member of the Nova Squadron, Cito, uh, when she returns in the amazing seventh season episode, Lower Decks. Oh, and one other fun note. The sort of like 
rank pins that they use for the cadets are super cool. The cool uniforms that they're wearing, the rank pins, they, they make sense. And they helped inspire the t-shirts that early subscribers to the Starfleet Leadership Academy Patreon got. Command codes verified. Never be afraid to raise your voice for honesty and truth and compassion against injustice and lying and greed. If people all over the world would do this, it would change the earth. That's a quote from William Faulkner, one of the great American writers, and it is so appropriate for this episode. I'm going to talk about why the truth is a crucial part of leadership. I'm also going to look at Nick Locarno and how strong leadership skills do not necessarily make for a good leader. He brought a team together, united them, but focused them on the wrong things, and somebody died because of it. Picard also did an incredible job in this episode of demonstrating compassion for Wesley. I'm going to look at how you can do this in a healthy way. The Starfleet Leadership Academy is supported by listeners just like you. Click the link in the show notes to support the ongoing production of this podcast. But before we get to these amazing topics, I want to share a story, a sad story, but one that has guided much of my life since it happened. Back, I don't know, about 10 years ago, I worked in HR. I was one of three administrators that reported to the director. It was far from my favorite job, but the director was one of my favorite people and favorite supervisors I've ever had. She developed me into an industry that I didn't have a lot of experience in, and she challenged me to be a stronger leader. To relax, she and her family enjoyed cruises. In fact, she said that she measured time in B.C. and A.C., right? Before cruise and after cruise. She had taken about, I don't know, about two weeks off, I think it was, to go on a cruise. And when she came back to the office, like, I remember she was tan. She was happy. She was well-rested. We met. We talked through what had gone on in her absence. And she had some very kind and encouraging words for me. The day ended, I felt good, and we all went home. The next morning, the CEO asked to meet with me and my two peers at 8.15 in the morning. She told us that the director passed away in her sleep that night. It's completely unexpected. We were devastated. But we had a team of like 50 people that we had to go and inform next. We were a good team, the three of us, so we worked together to share the news. Then the rest of the day was filled with crying hugging and sharing stories. And then a little after 3 p.m., the other two administrators and I met to talk business. How are we going to continue business while the CEO worked to fill the position? Seems like a normal, right? An expected thing to happen, right? Well, to be honest, it haunts me to this day. I mean, we were able to grieve for seven hours and then we were back to work. A person who had literally given their life to help others and support their team, and we took seven hours for her. Fast forward about 10 years, and today, now, most people don't even remember who she was or even remember her name. It breaks my heart. And normally, normally when I tell stories about my work experience, I don't share names or too specific details out of respect for people's privacy, but I'm going to share her name. I'm going to say it. I want to recognize the impact that she had. Her name, Carolyn Ross. And Carolyn, I miss you and I thank you for everything that you taught me. 
Okay, I didn't just randomly decide to share this story. It's related to the episode. Early on, the Admiral says they considered canceling the graduation ceremony because of Joshua's death. But then she says, Commander Albert and I have discussed this and we've agreed that commencement should go forward as planned. There are still duties to perform and life continues. Now, I took exception to that statement and decision based on my experience in this story. But but the thing is, she's not wrong. Like, like so many things that involve people, it's just, it's just not simple. Life does indeed go on. Work does still need to happen. But there's something more important than our work, and that's the people that we work with. So this is world according to Jeff stuff here, so take it as you will. But as a leader, the lives of the people you work with should be sacred. Honor them, respect them, and treat them with dignity and respect all the time. When something terrible happens to them, you take time for them and for the team. When you do go back to work, you do it with them in your thoughts and in your intentions. You see, the thing we did wrong, which was partially an organizational thing, but more an impact from the leadership of me and my peers, the impact of our leadership failure, was we saw grieving and working as an either-or, like as a binary choice. We could do one or we could do the other. But the reality is you can do both. And it's important that you support people in doing both. One last takeaway from the story, and then I'll move on. And I'm going to be pretty blunt about this. Your work does not care about you. You are not important. It will not give its life for you. So you should not give your life for it. We lost an incredible human and we paused for seven hours. In most cases, organizations don't even pause for that long. This is me telling you to be sure your priorities are in order. Yourself, your family, your friends, the people that are important to you. This is where you should place your worth and focus your efforts. Not your job and not your employer. Yes, yes, you might matter to the people you work with, and that's great. But the organization will barely even notice you're gone. It'll just keep moving. And that's okay. Just know this and don't give so much of yourself to a thing that will never, ever do the same for you. You know, <laughs> I've done this a few times now, right? Hey, let me tell a quick story at the top of the command codes. And that ends up taking a huge chunk of time. <laughs> Maybe I should plan these things out a little better. But this is a good pivot into compassion, right? That's a thing that we hear a lot about these days. Leaders must show compassion. And I couldn't agree more. But the danger is that in showing compassion, we often assign so much of our emotional selves to what the person is expressing that it impacts us too. And that doesn't help anyone. So you have to keep your own self full. That's your job. Picard is faced with that in this episode. Before we know anything about the starburst or the cover-up, all we know is that Wesley lost a friend. When Picard first sees Wesley, he immediately shows care and compassion. Would you like to talk about it? I just want you to know that I'm available if you should change your mind. This is especially notable because it's Picard. <laughs> I mean, he's great, but he's not necessarily known for forming emotional attachments with people, especially younger people. But he's doing exactly the right thing here. When you find yourself in this situation where someone you work with may need someone to listen to them, you do that. 
And and you should have the awareness to offer to listen like Picard does here. That means knowing your team, talking to them, and getting to know them. Have you ever been in an elevator only to realize you have nothing to say when your boss steps in? But the point here is that you have to listen. You have to be engaged, but you cannot participate in their emotion or their situation. Your role is to listen, not solve. If you're a manager, like me, you're kind of hardwired to try and solve problems when you see them. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. But compassion doesn't require that. In fact, it's actually counterproductive to showing compassion if you try to solve the problem. Had Wesley taken Picard up on his offer, I am very confident we would have gotten the perfect example of this behavior from Picard. He would have listened, acknowledged what he was saying, and then thanked him for sharing it with him. Thanks so much for sharing that. That's it. He wouldn't try to solve anything. He wouldn't have, liked shared a story about the time his friend died or, or told him what he did when he faced some tragedy. There would have been none of that. The key to compassionate listening is exactly that. Listen. And speaking of listening, Nova Squadron very much listened to Nick Locarno. Let's listen to him talk to the team, and you'll see why it's easy to want to follow him. But we're going to be all right. We've got some tough times ahead, but we've always come through for each other. Whatever happens, I want you all to know that leading this team has been the high point of my years at the Academy. No one could have asked for a better team or better friends. You see, he connects the team. He's up front with them, and he makes them feel better about the challenges that are coming. Boothby described him as a coach, a father figure, and a friend. All of that sounds great, doesn't it? But it really isn't. You see, in my experience, these are all mistakes that inexperienced leaders and managers make. They think that connecting with people means some type of friendship, and they often end up considering themselves as a parental figure of some kind. Your boss is not your friend. A leader shouldn't be seen as either of these things. Friendly, not necessarily a friend and a partner, not a parent. In fact, going back to the Starfleet Leadership Academy episode on Voyager Once Upon a Time, parentalism is one of the aspects of the toxic, dominant culture that pervades most workplaces. The other thing Nick does is unite the team to the team. We'll be fine if we stick together. Don't forget your duty to the team. You don't get to decide the fate of the team. Then resign your appointment to the Academy and walk away. Don't make us pay for your guilty conscience. You let me throw away my career just to save your neck? To save the team. And on the surface, this might seem pretty great, but it's short of the mark. Yes, you need to be united with your team, but to what end? Like, why does the team even exist? What's it working towards? Focusing the team on itself becomes self-defeating. In Ouroboros, to use one of my favorite words, it's the snake eating its own tail. If the team exists to do something really hard, let's say supporting a team of salespeople that are only focused on their numbers, but the leader of the team brings the team together solely for the purpose of the team, like Locarno has done, eventually they're going to stop doing the hard and tedious work the sales team depends on them for. Why? <laughs> because it sucks. And eventually someone will say they don't want to do something anymore. And the team will stand beside them because it's always team first. 
Next thing you know, they're doing their own thing and have left the rest of the organization in the dust. Now, Locarno is likely doing this because of his inexperience. It is far easier to bring a team together by focusing on itself. The hard and more rewarding work is uniting the team to a greater purpose and the mission and purpose of their organization. And that's exactly the wall that Locarno runs into in this episode. He believes and has encouraged the rest of Nova Squad to believe that if they just stick together, stand united as a team, everything will be okay. But they haven't been brought together as a team to be okay and help cover up their mistake. No, they've been brought together to demonstrate some of the finest qualities in Starfleet Academy, to give other cadets something to aspire to so they can support the mission of Starfleet and the Federation. Had Locarno united his team to that, this would have been a very different episode. Truth is a word that gets used by a lot of people and in a lot of ways. And unfortunately, not all in good ways. Now, did Nova Squad attempt a band maneuver? Yes, and that's the truth. But was it the squad, or was it Josh's, or was it Locarno's fault that it went south and Josh died? Well, that's a much more complex truth, and it just gets more complicated from there. But sometimes, oftentimes maybe, the truth can be pretty apparent, can be a pretty obvious thing. I think Picard says it best in one of his most famous lines in all of The Next Generation. He talks about the importance of truth. The first duty of every Starfleet officer is to the truth, whether it's scientific truth or historical truth or personal truth. It is the guiding principle on which Starfleet is based. If you can't find it within yourself to stand up and tell the truth about what happened, you don't deserve to wear that uniform. So, tying this back to Locarno, had he united the team as a force for truth, things would have gone differently. After the crash, Locarno and the team would have found their flight instructor, told them they were attempting an illegal move, and that Josh had died. They would have received reprimands, graduation would have happened, we would have heard on the episode, we got to hear Picard's commencement address, and then... It's actually a thing I like to call the Breaking Bad problem. We got five seasons of high drama, all basically, because Walter White refused to tell his wife Skyler about his plan or their financial struggles. He refused to tell her the truth, and after five seasons, he dies because of it. Had he told her, it would have been a pretty boring, like maybe three-episode miniseries, right? But instead, he becomes a meth lord, a murderer, and destroys his family's lives. Kind of like Locarno and Wes, right? Locarno getting discharged and Wes having to repeat his sophomore year. And this is because it doesn't feel good to admit that you were wrong or that you did something wrong. For some reason, we all think that we're more clever than the universe and think that we can hide our mistakes, but we're almost never right. And the thing is, like so many things with being human, the opposite is actually true. Admitting the thing you did wrong, telling the truth, almost always has a better outcome than trying to hide it. I've talked before about a program that I managed a few years ago that had a pretty bad reputation, right? For a few years, it had been so focused on its policies and on being right that it forgot about its customers. When I started managing the program, I aimed to fix that. 
I got in front of as many customers as I could. And believe me, they were eager to, you know, talk to me. They had all kinds of things they wanted to say to me, mostly in a pretty uh, elevated voice. But instead of showing up and just taking that heat, you know, letting them yell at me, I told them the truth. I stood in front of them, introduced myself, and then I told them, over the last few years, we have done an amazing job of becoming a barrier to you doing your business. And I'm here now to help change that. And then I'd talk about our customer-focused plans. It was incredible. I remember watching the wind visibly disappear from their sails, right? They were ready to let me have it, but I was honest with them. I owned our mistakes. It, it actually ended up endearing us to them, and it went a very, very long way in repairing our reputation. Now, this works because we all fundamentally understand that mistakes happen. We also fundamentally understand that trying to cover them up is cowardly and totally lacks integrity. It's, it's weird to me how difficult this is for people to grasp. We've all heard the stories of famous failures that led to huge successes, right? Thomas Edison, Michael Jordan, J.K. Rowling, the, the list goes on and on. Yet we still try to hide failure, to hide our mistakes. Boothby, Boothby actually says it really well. You made a mistake. There isn't a man among us who hasn't been young enough to make one. The important thing is what you did with your life afterwards. Don't beat yourself up for mistakes. Just own them and learn from them. Walter White and Nick Locarno would have really benefited from following my example, or even the example that Wesley Crusher eventually shows. Despite all the great things that come with telling the truth, it still takes a lot of courage. For all the times people would be understanding, there are times that people won't be. In this episode, a person died. That cannot go unaddressed. In my short version of the episode earlier, Nova Squad was still reprimanded, but it wouldn't be unimaginable for them all to have been expelled or forced to repeat a year in the Academy. I think, given what we know about Starfleet and its belief in the truth, owning what happened right away would have had a dramatically better outcome for Nova Squad. Wes shows that courage as he becomes more uncomfortable with Locarno's leadership. He's a second year in a group of third and fourth years, and he says, I don't know if I can do this, Nick. He understood what I've been talking about here. Locarno is telling them to lie to protect the team. But Wes, with the help and guidance of Picard, understands there's something bigger than the team. There's the truth. He shows the courage to speak up. And overall, things actually end better for everyone. <laughs> better? Better, Jeff? Really? Had he kept his mouth shut, there would have been a few reprimands, and that's it. But Josh's dad would have thought his son to have been less than what he was. Nova Squad would have had to live with the guilt and the shame of what they did, and they would be directly violating the core mission of Starfleet. In the end, Nick Locarno took the heat for his team. That's what a leader does. He did it because he saw that there was something bigger than the team, finally, and then he followed through with it. It's honestly too bad that we never hear from him again. Given his final act, along with the raw leadership skills that we see from him in the episode, I'm sure that he becomes somebody great. But I suppose we'll never know. 
Have you had a situation where you pulled a Wesley Crusher, where you had the courage to speak up and tell the truth? I'd love to hear about it, and I'm curious to hear how it helped your team out. You can reach out to me on Twitter at SFLA Podcast, or if you want, on other social media at Jeff T. Aiken. That's Jeff T. as in truth, A-K-I-N. Computer, what are we going to watch next time? Working. The 11th episode from the 6th season of Deep Space Nine, Waltz. This is, in my opinion, one of THE episodes of DS9. It's Cisco and Ducat alone on a planet. And Ducat is not doing well. I'm always excited when a Deep Space Nine episode comes up, but this is very much one to look forward to. But until then, Ex Astra Scientia! Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric Hey there, I'm DC. I host the rock podcast, Back to the Arena, The Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, The Interviews. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.